This is Radio Maria England, and this is Women Together. Welcome to another episode of Women Together on Radio Maria England. This is Series 3 and you are joined by me, Genevieve Wedgbury, and my co-host for today, Di Redmond. Hello, Di. Hi. Nice to be back again. Really, really nice. Yeah, because you've, um, you've been in Canada, haven't you, for a little while? I have. I went to see my family, who I've not seen for three years, um, and it was just bliss. <laughs> um, the only thing was that I had to leave them again. But actually... You know, what's really interesting is that th how quickly you pick up. Um, and I think that's to do with having been with the family and, and the boys from being little babies. And the beat still goes on. And this, this, I mean, what was wonderful for me was we just kind of went straight back into being um, family again. There was it, it sounds silly, but I, at one point I was thinking... Will, will they know me? Will it be awkward? Of course it wasn't. I think it must be a similar thing to when you see an old friend who you've yes. known from when you yes. were about five or ten and you haven't seen one another for years and you just pick up from where you left yes. off because you ultimately, you just know one another through and through. Yes, yes. Yeah, how wonderful. And were you there for quite a long time? Uh, three weeks, yeah. Wow. But I have to tell you a very interesting story. I'll make it brief. Um, I'm terrified of bears and they're just, I believe me, Genevieve, they are everywhere. And um, they, at this time of the year, they have cubs. Well, that time of the year. And I kept saying to my daughter, I don't want, you know, what will I do if I see a bear? And she said, just, you know, make a, make a noise, but don't, you know, scream and don't run. You know, just make a noise, like sing. <laughs> anyway, so I was crossing the road, ironically, to go to Mass um, in this valley, because they live the other side of Whistler. They live in a, in British Columbia, and it's the most heavenly valley. And there's a teeny-weeny Catholic church, just extraordinary. So I was crossing the road. Um, I got off my bike to cross the road, um, and a really quiet road. Um, and I was just stood waiting for a couple of cars to go by. And then I walked across, got back on my bike. Um, and the traffic coming the other way, not many... They all pulled up and the woman in the front in the big four wheel drive, she said, Mom, I got to hand it to you. You were so cool with those bears. And I said, what bears? <laughs> and apparently, this is like a joke. Right behind me was a mama bear and three baby bears. And they and I so I cycled across the road, cool as a cucumber, got on the bike, set off. And there were three bears that followed me across the road and then they went straight into the, the forest. And honestly, I was shaking oh, all over. But Ignorance is definitely bliss, I think, in that situation. And perhaps the presence of a guardian angel there as well, <laughs> Di, I think very, very possibly. I'm glad I was on my way to Mass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not sure if we can quite top that uh, story today. But um, I wanted to just make reference to Mary Ward, actually, oh, who yes. was the 17th century foundress of St Mary's School in Cambridge, mm -hmm. where uh, I went. And she said that... Uh, 
women in time to come will do much. And that's part of what we're here to celebrate here on Women Together, that women in time have come to do very, very much. And uh, that's what we're talking about today, which brings us on to our guest. And today we have Holly Whitelaw with us, uh, who is the founder of Gleaning Cornwall and the Regenerative regenerative food and farming organization as well so holly welcome to radio maria hello and yes women are taking over and it's about time (laughs) (laughs) holly i actually heard you on it was on ucb uh probably well when you were on there that was that could have been about six months ago now and i was um fascinated to hear about your organization but before we launch in i'm actually going to begin with a prayer which is uh by pope francis and this was in his encyclical letter laudati laudato si all powerful god you are present in the whole universe and in the smallest of your creatures You embrace with your tenderness all that exists. Pour out upon us the power of your love that we may protect life and beauty. Fill us with peace that we may live as brothers and sisters harming no one. O God of the poor, help us to rescue the abandoned and forgotten of this earth, so precious in your eyes. Bring healing to our lives that we may protect the world and not prey on it that we may sow beauty, not pollution and destruction, touch the hearts of those who look only for gain at the expense of the poor of the earth. Teach us to discover the worth of each thing, to be filled with awe and contemplation, to recognise that we are profoundly united with every creature as we journey towards your infinite light. We thank you for being with us each day. Encourage us, we pray, in our struggle for justice love and peace a christian prayer in union with creation amen amen which pope francis was that do you know sorry do you know which pope francis was that there's been more than one hasn't there the current the current one this Ah, this present pope yes it's wonderful and actually that's just part of this prayer there are two other stanzas as well so um yeah this is something that he's very very passionate about um but uh over over to you di well today um as as most of you probably know is the feast of saint peter and paul and they were both jews and biblical roots of gleaning with uh, refer to gleaning as one of the oldest com- of the oldest commandments intended to help the poor. Leviticus twenty three twenty two directs farmers to leave at least one sixtieth of the edges of their fields unpicked, to not pick up fruit that has fallen to the ground, and to not pick up bits of harvest that falls during transport. Um, so. Let's talk about this. Um, it's extraordinary. And um, it also, it brings to mind not not just gleaning, but the whole thing about like harvesting when the tractor or the plough goes round and round and round and round and round and round. In the middle, what's left are these all these bunny rabbits and hares that have, uh, or wild animals that are, are centred within the last of, of the harvest. And that is also, as they skitter out, I talked to um, uh, an, an uncle of mine who was who worked on a farm in Suffolk 
And that was the point. They would get lots of animals for the pot, particularly hares. Um, so that whole thing about harvesting is not just what falls and what's picked up, but what you can grab at the end of it. Oh, wow. Fascinating. <laughs> I didn't know that. I um, I met Boris Johnson at the Royal Cornwall show, and I thought the, he'd be most interested rather than any finger wagging about food poverty and stuff. <laughs> I, I, he'd be more interested in the history. And so I, I did remark about it being probably, you know, predating the Bible, um, whereby uh, it was a, a legal right to harvest um, what was left. And I, But I didn't realise that it was a 60th that was written in uh, the commandments. That's interesting. Mm. Um, but it's almost like the, the first welfare system, really, yeah. uh, if you think about it. And I was reading somewhere that, um, you know, who's to say that the guys who were having to use those very heavy scythes or sickles, I can never remember what they're called, you know, to cut the wheat, um, that in times that were, that were hard, uh, poverty, war, pestilence, disease, they'd leave um, a bit more, you know, they wouldn't mm. quite try so hard to cut as much so that there was a more for people to glean afterwards. And um, now certainly times are getting tough. Um, but today I was gleaning uh, in a big cabbage field and there were thousands upon thousands of cabbages left because, there, well, there's numerous reasons. Main one being that farmers have to overproduce in order to make sure that they've got enough for the um, uh, supermarkets that they have contracts with. Um, they don't know if weather's going to turn. Um, they don't know if they're going to have the pickers. Um, since Brexit, it's harder. And um, they don't know what market's going to be. So quite often uh, market changes is we've got potatoes coming in later in the week because they just can't sell them. Um, new potatoes, they've got to be washed and this certain producer doesn't have the washing facilities. So he was going to leave them in the ground to rot, but um, kindly he's got them out um, and uh, we're going to bag them up and give them to uh, about 40 different food banks and community lodges, community kitchens throughout Cornwall and uh, Plymouth. So it's it's a good it's a really good sensible thing, and um, I think every county um, should have a gleaning network. Really, though, some counties don't produce that much food for human consumption, or at least now we don't have the mills, so we can we can't just take a load of wheat and uh, get it turned into bread like we used to. Um, so Cornwall's quite different in this in that respect that it's got lots of veg growers. Uh, but it is it just makes sense these days when people are going hungry, you know. Absolutely. But Holly, how sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 carry on. How, what, uh, uh, this this is just absolutely fascinating stuff. But how and what inspired you to make this ancient biblical practice a modern reality? I mean, you've actually brought it about. Well, I had heard about it. Um, I'm part of Sustainable Food Cornwall. There's lots of sustainable food places throughout the ca uh, country now. And um, Cornwall has just been sort of granted status of being one of these members. Um, it's basically a, a, a selected partnership of uh, interested and connected people that try and sort of make things more sustainable, though 
sustaining what we've got isn't enough we've got to regenerate it hence the regenerative food and farming side of my work but um basically i'd heard of gleaning and then i saw a simon reed program about the um poverty in cornwall um highlighting the fact that you know most people come down here on holiday and it's all very pretty and lovely but actually there's a lot of poverty and um uh so i was watching that and there was this lovely chap who runs a food bank in uh camborne who was crying because he'd just left lost his wife and um he he was still dedicated to get the food out around christmas and and he was crying because he he you know was uh, in mourning um, and shock and at the same time he was you know this is what my wife would have wanted and I will go on and I will succeed and as a result he got loads of donations and I went right that's it must sort this gleaning malarkey out um, and um, there's an organization called Feedback Global that I um, connected with who um, uh, no sorry uh, another one let me sorry i've been up since six and i'm menopausal so i don't sleep um they are called feedback global yes feedback global i was right um and they gave me two thousand pounds to set up and get insurance and buy knives and cut proof gloves and um organize some people and uh, pay a bit of my time and coordinators time in two other places in cornwall um, and that quickly went and then I just continued doing it because I quite liked it um, and then um, I was in conversations with <clears throat> various people and was introduced to Feeding Britain who then in September gave us £10,000 so now we've got seven coordinators um, and about nearly 300 volunteers that have signed up um, we did Goodness. a crowdfunder we've got a couple of vehicles we've got um you know we've kind of gone from one thing to another to bigger and bigger and um it's now feeding a lot of people and it's not just feeding people local seasonal produce that m might get them into you know learning about different things like beetroot and uh, squash and things that they wouldn't ordinarily choose in a supermarket but also the people that come out and do it, like myself, really enjoy it because it's like a green workout. You're outdoors. You're with lovely Yeah, people. I'd love it. Yeah, you would. So I really would. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but so that's Cornwall and that's rural historically. Yeah. And obviously, from what you're saying, it's been a boom uh, event. So what yeah. would happen if it were somewhere like um, Norfolk or Suffolk or um, Yorkshire? You know, somewhere that that's not as remote. I mean, could well, could it, hard, could it be even? It? But could it be even bigger? I mean, it depending on the county and its, you know, its rural background and its acreage. Could well, it could it just get even bigger? There is, wherever there is fruit or vegetables grown, there is often surplus or out. They call them outgrades. That's the one key or the two big or the two smalls. And um, oh, yeah. some of that food goes to anaerobic digestion, which it shouldn't really, because it's edible either by human or animal. And we need to free up our anaerobic digesters, digesters for our domestic food waste, which is coming on if it hasn't already arrived in your area. So there's that. And then also those AD plants are sometimes 
just being fed by crops that are grown specifically for the AD plant, which is a bit crazy when we've got to feed ourselves more locally. Um, so, do you, sorry, do you mind if I ask a question? What is an AD plant? Anaerobic digester. So that's where you put in organic matter and you get microbes to eat it down oh. and it reaches a certain heat. So you end up with um, gases coming off that you use for energy and a digestate, oh. which is a sort of dead compost, which is good organic stuff, but it doesn't have the wonderful microbes that we need in our soils to reboot its health and the, the health of the world. In fact, it's all down to microbes. Well, this um, is fascinating stuff. It is. And that's why, weirdly, I got into all of this, really, the food and the farming side, because... It, 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 it came about because I live in a rural area and because I am passionate to try and make a difference with regard to the environmental emergencies, I discovered um, that soil is the place to put carbon. We can do quite a bit in the water, but it's more tricky. It's easier to do it on the land. And way, way back at the first Paris Climate Agreement, most countries and most developing countries and many others signed up to try and increase the um, carbon in the soil by a small percent because if everyone does that then that actually draws down a lot of carbon from the atmosphere mm -hmm. and i was like how does that work you know yeah. so it took me a while to really grasp it but basically um plants turn you know this is taking you back to o-level biology now <laughs> you've got your photosynthesis so you've got your plants turning light and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and in, in the air um in the sky from the sun into its body into carbohydrates so carbon-based sugary substances basically mm -hmm. And that makes the, the body of the plant, but it also gets pumped out through the roots to feed microbes in the soil wow. through carbohydrates, <laughs> along with a bit of vin uh, vitamins and uh, some acids. And those are called root exudates. And they're like sugary, yummy sweets for the microbes to eat so that the microbes can live and process all the minerals and nutrients in the soil and make them available for the plant to uptake so it's a two-way mechanism the plant feeding the microbes and then the microbes and this reminds me of that um piece of um reading you did you know it is the small things and we are all united because basically we need those microbes there to feed our plants and um, especially now with artificial fertilizer prices being very expensive, things are changing in farming. And we're looking now at, oh, how do we how do we naturally get these um, fertilizer, these minerals for our, our crops? And it's all about the microbes. They've got to be in there to make them available. Um, and so unfortunately, what happens with an artificial fertilizer is it interrupts the normal mechanism, that two-way give and take between the plant pushing out carbohydrates into the into the soil and the microbes giving back the nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, and with it, the zinc and the copper and the magnesium. So what happens is if you passively feed a plant you uh, with those artificial fertilizers on the top, they're just being fed. They don't have to work for their food. Oh, right. 
well, our plants are then lacking those trace elements that would ordinarily come up with the nitrogen, for example, they're missing the magnesium, copper and zinc because they're not pushing out uh, root exudates, those sugars, to feed the microbes. So there's less microbes. So there's less food available. They're being passively fed. So they're also not getting the lovely yummy stuff coming up from the soil, including all those trace elements. So therefore the plants are weak, the animals that eat them are weak, we are lacking trace elements. So it's really good in a way that these artificial fertilizers are getting too expensive. And I've actually been approached just last week and it made me cry because I love Africa having worked there. Um, I got approached by a big artificial fertilizer and seed seller in um, Africa with 59 farm advisors. They want to learn how to do things regeneratively now. So wow. I was like, yay! That's impressive. We, That's going good. back, this is quite important before, and I know it's quite long-winded, but so those soil carbo, those carbohydrates that come out of the roots turn with the help of microbes into stable carbon compounds that are basically soil carbon captured they are in the form of sticky um, aggregated clumps of soil so that is what we need more of as well as healthy food and when you have all those mechanisms working you also get more resilience to climate change and stresses such as pest disease and basically flooding and drought so it's all about the microbes. We need to reboot our soils with microbes. Holly. And, um, so compost is king as well as wee poo and saliva. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Holly. I think we need a little bit of uh, digestion time now, actually, talking of digestion. <laughs> yeah. um, there's, there's a lot of wonderful uh, information there. So we are now going to take a short music break, and I think we've got a little bit of Marvin Gaye. Oh, good. Nice. On the oceans and upon our seas, fish full of mercury. Oh, oh, mercy, mercy, me. Our things ain't what they used to be. Radiation underground and in the sky. Animals and birds who live nearby are lives. All things and what they used to be. What about this overcrowded land? How much more be used from sinners? Can't you stand
and welcome back. You are listening to Radio Maria England and this is Women Together, joined by me, Genevieve Wedgbury, Di Redmond, and we are talking to Holly Whitelaw from Gleaning, Gleaning Cornwall Network and also the Regenerative Food and Farming uh, Organisation as well. So uh, welcome back. And Holly, thank you so much for your very scientific expose um <laughs> i feel like i need to go back to my biology lessons now to be honest i'm sorry no it's no no so much to get across because it is really important it is important but, um, i'm sorry it's probably not the right time of day for this sort of heavy stuff <laughs> well i wanted to ask a favor because i'm riveted but um in lay lay woman's terms if i wanted oh, to do something really practical in my garden tomorrow yeah. to ha just talk me through like steps a b and c that i well, could actually apply to what you've told me the information you've given me which is is is, is quite complicated okay, have you got room to put it well no just no, that's compost. yeah okay that's yeah compost Mm -hmm. um you've already planted stuff so what the magic is there's a the magic thing is and this was proved by germans and soil biologists if you've got a mix of seven different species grown together preferably from different family groups you create a magic quorum a magic mix of microbes that will support plants above ground in times of stress and disease, etc., and also help pull down carbon. Oh, so right. embrace your weeds. That's my excuse. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, also you've got mix and not worrying too much about everything being pristine. You don't particularly want bare ground okay. because bare ground, um, basically when you expose microbes to the light, they die in the UV. Oh. So when I now see fields that have been ploughed, I'm like, oh, no, the microbes. <laughs> um, it's really weird. It's a whole new way of looking at things. But if you think about it, everything we need comes from the soil and we have been abusing it. So mm. basically, it's all about looking after the soil. So keeping it covered, trying not to when you pull out a weed that you don't want and you're allowed to take out some weeds um you shake it off because that's all good microbes oh. um so you try and then you put it in compost so you can turn that natural stuff back into good stuff that you can put back on the soil okay if you're doing a new bed instead of digging it all over put some cardboard over it and it doesn't look very nice for a little while but put some cardboard all over it to kill off the weeds mm. and then put your compost that you've made from the year before on top and use that as a bed rather than um turning everything exposing everything um and digging it over so no dig is is what we're about that's that's really good because that's the hard, hard backbreaking bit yeah, exactly. That's easy. We don't need to worry about so many weed problems. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. Um, obviously, weeds generally are really good for wildlife. Um, pollinators. I think the bee's just been uh, deemed the most important organism on the planet. So we need oh. to let our dandelions, which are the first bit of pollen and nectar, um, you know, enjoy them. Let the bees enjoy them at the beginning of spring when there's not much other food around. And then they go over and try and get them before they seed. But it's all about sort of just, oh, you know, I've just cut some 
holes in the bottom of my gate so that hedgehogs can come in because then they eat the slugs. I'm very good at making slugs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about, okay, so now I need blackbirds because they'll mm. eat the slugs and snails as well. So it's about how do I encourage the blackbirds? And it's looking at things holistically in a big way rather than just going, ooh, I want some nice colour. Mm. Um, and looking at planting always choosing things that are good for bees and butterflies and there's normally a label and trying to get things that flower at different times so that you're feeding the the pollinators at all the you know early spring right through to to winter and even through into winter as well some ivy and stuff like that um so yeah there we that, go. so that is all actually doable isn't it i mean none, none of that is like the way you've just described it yeah, I don't easy. know that I'm being sort of dim, but uh, it doesn't seem like rocket science. No, it's just going with what seems sensible. Mm. You know, when you start thinking about all the microbes in the soil and the plant, you know, all all the in, all the insects, all the small stuff. You know, one teaspoon of soil has more microbes in it if it's healthy than all the people on the planet. And there's loads of different types, and they all work together in unison. One will you know, um, create something that the other one needs and the other one will nibble up the uh, leaves and then the other one will take those nibbled up leaves and make them smaller and then another one will take that, make it even more small so that it can go up through the roots for the, the plants. You know, it's all like a, a web and um, it's been interrupted, especially mm -hmm. in our agricultural systems, because they just didn't know about it, you know. Um, it's all been about the chemistry and the, and the physics, but not so much the biology. So it's, and that all the soil biology relates also to our gut health. And interestingly, since the 1940s and the industrialization of uh, our uh, agriculture, our gut health has been depleting at the same rate as the soil health. Goodness. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I remember hearing it was a, a program about an African tribe, one of the last indigenous tribes, mm. and um, their gut microbiomes were just, you know, I don't know how many times more of the gut microbiomes they had, um, or the gut microbes, sorry, that they had more than us. But a lot. <laughs> yes, because they were sort of eating insects kind of as well, like say they might take a honeycomb and the honeycomb mm. might have a bit of larvae left in it. It was that sort of thing. Oh, right. And they were ingesting yeah. that. But they, because of that, their, their guts were so healthy. And we've almost become a little bit too sterile, haven't we, as I, sort of, as I understand it. Too, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about what children do, they put everything in their mouths mm. in order to get their gut used to their surroundings and strong. And that now we sterilize everything especially in covid times haven't mm. we so we've become incredibly weak mm. and when you put that on top of the fact that our foods are lacking a lot of those trace elements and that we're absorbing some chemicals you know like glyphosate and fungicides and all these things we've got fungi in our stomachs or we should have but if we're you know if our guts aren't being held uh, fed the healthy microbes and then on top of that we're having to eat we're eating over processed food mm -hmm. sugary foods basically it's making us really poorly and so really if we get this right it can not only help with carbon capture and resilience and all of that but also 
reducing our need to go and lean on the NHS as much too. Just clarifying then, I'm thinking of my very uh, amateur vegetable patch yeah. <laughs> um, where I'm just growing some spinach, which I have occasional success at and the rhubarb's doing well at the moment. Um, but you're saying I don't, I don't need to worry about the weeds or do I just no. put, do I just put mulch on them to sort of get rid of them? Or I just, do I just, just let it, let it grow? And second question, which is related, I'm thinking of my driveway because I actually, I don't like to use, you know, I don't like to use any pesticides or anything like that or the, you know, the weed killers, but I do look at the weeds in the garden and think, oh gosh, you know, they're sort of growing up through the patio and they're sort of coming up through the gravel and, is it just a question of picking them by hand? Because I, you know, I mean, but I, I, I guess I'm thinking I can imagine busy people listening and thinking, well, you know, I just, life's too short. yeah, life's too Very short, you know, what, and, and I just, and I need to, I need to find a solution to this mm. or, yeah. yeah. And, well, and, and the other thing I'm aware of as well is, um, Obviously, you know, we've been talking a little bit about the gardening side of things, um, but also the actually the consuming side of things. So in terms of how we can make a difference through the choices that we make, um, cooking from scratch, looking at uh, local producers of food, organic producers of food and all of that. But again, I'm also aware of the, you know, the busy families, the mum with three children, and just thinking, oh, you know, just it's realistically, so I, I just don't have time. The, the, plus, uh, the plus thing is guilt, because I think we're all so aware of the damage that's been done, the damage that is still being done and the damage yeah. that we're doing, that actually, for me, the guilt almost takes over. So um, you mustn't let it. <laughs> well, could, everyone it, is in the same boat and you can only do what you can do. You know, you mustn't. You would just say, right, okay, well, let's try and just do one little thing mm. and let's do that for a while and then we can build on that. And if you get a grip of, you mm. know, even getting a grip on how to manage your, your fridge is hard enough, you know, not letting, not wasting food. 70% of our food waste comes from our own homes. So going through your list, right, weeds, just take out the ones that are getting too close to the plants that you want and okay. leave the rest. Right. Um, unless you hate them and that's personal choice driveway um there you what i do is i just use my flymo over the top <laughs> which is weird but you can just literally cut it shorter or knee pads and use it as a green workout or um just embrace it you know just mm. go you can't have it long though that's what i mean so you can actually just cut um with i just do it with my um hover flymo thing but that fun. doesn't don't the stones like whiz into the blades and crack the blades no not with mine but oh. also i know that um cornwall council aren't using glyphosate to kill weeds and they're using a vinegar and something uh. um and so there are there are clean ways of hmm. killing um so I would look that one up or ask your council because I think most councils aren't using glyphosate now, which is great. Which yeah. is, um, and then consumer choices. Well, yeah, just you can only do what you can do. I get a veg box, which means that um, I get a list of what's coming mm -hmm. and therefore I can have a vague idea of what to buy to go with that. And that is from a local community supported agricultural scheme. So they don't produce much waste because they know how many people are getting their veg box. 
Um, and so that's local and seasonal, which is great. And then when it comes to meat, well, luckily in Cornwall, you can get, you, you find out where is producing meat that are using herbal lays and regenerative techniques. So you choose those. So we're really lucky, but it's very hard because if you go for organic produce, mm. they can be tilling. Um, and so there isn't a regenerative label at the moment um, because it's mm. a very expensive thing to go to everybody's farm and check what they're actually doing. So it's finding out um, there's a there's a, a, a website that um, a woman in Cornwall <clears throat> set up called farms to feed and on there you've got pe uh, people that sell direct so farmers that sell direct um who are either organic or biodynamic or regenerative and some of them might not be saying that they're you know they might not be regenerative and they're saying they are um but i think the majority are being honest and so that's a good starting point but it's more expensive mm -hmm. so it's about trying to um have local if you can um and buy less and waste less and be more organized but as you say i had three children have three children um i don't cook for them all every day now because they're big um but it's really hard so i end up eating leftovers for breakfast which is quite unusual sometimes <laughs> um i love what you said about just doing one thing at a time and i think that is so good because mm. we can all feel just overburdened and just to make one small change or maybe even to think you know what in the summertime I'm going to be a bit less pushed that's when I'm going to try and do this one thing and then yeah. maybe try and make it a habit and also before we take a music break because then we're going to open the music lines sorry the phone lines uh during the music break I also know that one of the amazing things about what you're doing is as you said that this food that is gleaned goes to the food banks um, and the kitchens and that sort of thing and actually it's so important because it means that that these groups of people these communities of people have access to fresh fruit and vegetables and, and that's often something which is lacking in the food banks as I understand it. That's right yeah um, in fact there was a woman when I <clears throat> first looked into this I phoned a friend who runs a food bank and she had a mother um, who had just been diagnosed with malnutrition because any bit of fresh veg she was getting or fruit she was giving her children and she went without for so long um, that she was all weak and feeble, went to the doctor and she was malnourished. Goodness. And, and, and actually, um, you think that's shocking, but the problem with our Western diet is we are overfed and undernourished. And um, I think that's the angle, you know, once once people realize that food that comes from regeneratively produced um, systems, i.e. looking after the microbes, going back to those little guys, um, once you get the grip to, oh, right, so that's why that's going to be super nutritious because the, the, the food's available, blah, blah, um, that's when people will be seeking it out that's when people will be prepared to pay extra, especially if they're suffering from something that's to do with gut health. And mm -hmm. gut health um, governs 70 to 80 percent of our immunity. And it also um, it's connected to anything to do with inflammation. And uh, the list of uh, diseases that are to do with inflammation are 
a massive you know it's it's mental health as well because your gut is connected to your brain yes so and 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 our hormones as well i know there's the gut hormone link and and obviously here in the west there's a massive rise now in the um chronic and degenerative Ill illnesses so as you said it's all connected we're going to take another music break and i think we have what a wonderful world i think coming up next which seems very appropriate and then our phone lines are opening so i mean we don't really have enough time i think we need you on to do a whole nother program but please ring in 01223 375 564 with a question for holly i'm just saying oh Sorry, and just to say that things are changing and it is such a brilliant time to be alive, though it's really scary because we know the good stuff and it's all moving in the right direction. Well, that's good news. <laughs> I see skies of blue and clouds of white The bright blessed day The dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do I watch them grow They learn much more Than I never knew And I think to myself What a wonderful world Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful You're listening to Women Together and uh, this is Radio Maria England. We're coming towards the end of our programme now. We're speaking to Holly from the Gleaning Cornwall Network. And uh, the phone lines are open, so do call in if you have a question for Holly. And the number, once again, 01223-375-564. Holly, um, for anybody out there, either from the Cornwall area or actually anywhere else in the UK who might want to you know to get involved or to start something similar what can they do how can they find out more um so if you're a farmer you can talk to other farmers to find out how to um get on the regenerative path um and what to do when you start um on a facebook group called regenerative farming uk if you're local and you fancy gleaning or you're a farmer in cornwall and you've got food that might be surplus or wonky um gleaningcornwall.org.uk um there's lots of information on our website regenerative food and farming.co.uk 
I need help. There's so much to do. So if anyone speaks different languages, we've got to get the message out um, hither and thither. Um, and so, you know, you can reach me through that website. Um, and yeah, I, I'm also, um, yeah, on the phone and perhaps you can pass on my number if anyone needs to phone me. Uh, but yeah, through the, the websites are probably the best. Fabulous. I'm so inspired. I think I might be phoning you every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also another thing that's just come to, to fruition, and that's Cornwall Climate Action Network has just become a uh, CIC, a community interest company as well. So we're looking to support all the climate action groups in the county. There's about 50 uh, different organisations working on the environment and, and climate issues um, so that we can draw down funding if they're not constituted. And basically ground up stuff needs to be happening as well as top down. Um, we keep looking for our, um, our politicians and councils to do more than they can manage. So um you know another thing is to to um join your local climate action group if there is one or set one up yeah pretty impressive do you think there is the appetite you know amongst commercial farmers i mean what what would make them want to want to move over to this form of farming well they're doing it in cornwall um they they have to really because uh, inputs are so expensive and so that for a regenerative enthusiast is good news for them it's hard because um, it's it's like an addiction you know you're used to using it it's difficult to wean yourself off but I'm for example putting on a webinar uh, for farmers and agronomists and farm advisors um, all about how to get off nitrogen um, and that you can find a link on that Facebook page I mentioned um, so uh, all I know is farmers down here and elsewhere are trying to not dig. Uh, so doing direct drilling where seeds are put in with a cutting instrument rather than a plowing turn it over the soil instrument. Um, they're working uh, on how to improve cover crops um, uh, because they understand that they need that living root to feed the microbes. Um, at the moment, they're using monocrops for cover crops, which isn't quite as good, obviously. You want to, diversity is key in all things. Um, and that's the message that needs to get out more. Um, but it's it's working forward and it's actually our government, uh, the UK government is leading the way and trying to work out a mechanism to pay farmers to produce uh, or basically farmers to look after the land. At the moment, they're paying farmers mainly around um, rewilding, uh, but they are trying to work out how we pay farmers to produce food in a regenerative way. As I say, it's quite complicated um, because you can't, without going and measuring soil carbon, which is expensive, without um, working out what exact rotations they're doing every year, um, you just don't know. Uh, it, it's difficult. So basically, we need to turn all those guys who've been selling chemical inputs into um, soil biologists <laughs> uh, so they can go and sample soil and then make compost that uh, it puts back in the microbes that are missing in those soil samples. I really think that education, you know, when you learn about, you know, biology at school, it, it sort of needs to be tied in mm -hmm. with this sort of thing. So it it suddenly becomes meaningful rather than abstract 
yeah. in, information. And I think it, it would makes be it, wonderful. Yes. It would be fantastic to have field courses and working on the land, not just, you know, the traditional sort of, like you say, digging, but actually appreciating and working with the land and learning and seeing yeah. things happen and making but children have no clue where their food clue. comes from but um i do talks about eating for the planet uh basically because some of my teenage as um friends come around and they've gone vegan thinking it's the best thing to do um and they have ended up just eating hummus and crisps and pizza and so they're lacking nutrients just mm -hmm. when they their bodies really need it and so I think it's really important that they understand that that seasonal, local and diversity um, is vital. And um, a little bit of meat, especially around the equators where animals can actually reduce desertification um, by holistic grazing and that wee poo and saliva. And um, basically, if an animal's a little hoof print um, has a bit of moisture in it, uh, maybe from the cow pat or, or we, um, and there's a seed that's in there that they've eaten and it's passed through. Mm. Because it's got a bit of shade and moisture, that's where you can get things growing in very harsh conditions and it's and it's working but that needs uh a, a, you know further money put into it to give the cattle to those around the middle east and africa and, and the central belts uh so that they can stop that desertification for all of our sakes you know but yeah the children they need the hope that this regenerative agriculture gives too because they're on computers they know a lot more than many adults and um, they're not hearing all the positive news, um, mm. which is happening. Yeah, that's such a good point. And also just the education on, it might sound a, a sort of stupid thing to say, but actually on, on, on how to cook this food, on what to do with it. Mm -hmm. because, Absolutely. Because not everybody is really au fait with cooking from scratch. Um, and I imagine that that must be something that, that you're having to cover as well. Well, I can't do it all. As you can see, I'm quite busy. But, <laughs> so but I've been learning what to do with beetroot because of this gleaning. And, um, you know, we're all on a steep learning curve. And I think keeping humid, you know, human about all of this and sharing your learning and um, uh, just realising that everyone's doing their best is, is the most important thing. And um, supporting change uh, and, and keeping people warm coming up, you know. Uh, uh, Climate Action Network are just sort of uh, trying to get some funding to get all our communities down here coming together with this cold period coming on where people uh, who are struggling won't be able to heat their homes. Mm. Get them some insulated curtain extra bits. Get them, there's these wonderful blankets, I've got one, um, that you plug in very low wattage that is like a throw, electric throw. Um, so getting those out to the elderly down your street, making sure that everyone is being looked after. And in my lovely community of St. Just, right down near Land's End, because of COVID, every street has got a sort of little angel that looks after them and makes sure that anyone vulnerable in COVID times could get their medicine or get their food. Amazing. But now we need to engage those commun that community spirit again to look after those needy in, in these times that are tough coming ahead. And, and it's an opportunity for a little bit of talk around, oh, you know, well, energy 
saving is actually good for the planet, um, but we've got to make sure the vulnerables uh, are vulnerable uh, are okay. Absolutely, so, Holly, you are an inspiration. I know we have to come to an end now. Just in a word, um, is there with the regenerative um, form of farming? It does <clears throat> does it produce the same yield? Like, is it as 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 productive? It actually will produce more, and we don't have a choice. We have to go down this route. Fantastic. It's been proven, and that's so encouraging. I think my, my top takeaway as we finish is I think you said in that in one teaspoonful of soil, there's more microbes than every person on the planet. Did I hear that correctly? It's only the healthy soil. A lot of our soil has none. That's the issue. Okay, right. But so. But it's changing. But, but it's, it's all about the microbes. It's all about the microbes. Well, thank you so much. You you thank are you. an inspiration. Lovely to meet you both. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Cheerio. Um, we're just going to finish off uh, with a, the the tiniest um, prayer by Wendell Berry. I don't know if anyone has heard of Wendell Berry, but he is an American novelist, poet, and essayist, and farmer. A farmer too. And we pray not for new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eye clear. What we need is here. the month at 8 30 p.m it'll be rebroadcast the following sa the, the saturday preceding at 1 p.m and is available as a podcast on spotify google play itunes all your different podcast providers please do like subscribe follow share 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 with your friends so we can let the good news continue to be spread thank you for joining us on Radio Maria.